be the warmth of your fellowship, which I really do appreciate it, or could be the fact that, it's, uh, that I'm nervous and uh, it's getting pretty hot up here pretty quick, but I like to think it's all three. Truly do want to thank you, especially Pastor Kendall and Pastor for that matter. He's probably the one being the Bible College lecturer that's wrote uh, Ascoff's Harborites to come up and preach, but I really do appreciate the opportunity. It's such a blessing. And I really appreciated last time being here, just your warmth and fellowship was wonderful. So thank you for the opportunity to preach for you tonight. While you're getting your Bibles out, you might remember last time I was here, probably a couple of months ago, that I did a Who Am I? And I want to do it again. Teachers love to ask questions. It's, in, it's inherent in them, that's just something they do, like to get some prior knowledge. But don't feel afraid to call out if you think you know the answer, and if you get it wrong, that's fine too. But who am I? By the way, does anyone remember who the last who am I was? Ananias, great. Well, it's definitely not Ananias again tonight. Who am I? I'm a devout man who feared God. I am recognized for giving alms. Not Peter. I was visited by an angel in a vision. Not Paul. Nope. Nope. This will start to give it away. I am of Italian origin. Nobody? I am a centurion. Boy, I thought you... Yes, Cornelius, it is. I live in Caesarea and my name starts with C, Cornelius. Well done. Got your Bibles tonight? Please turn to Acts chapter 10, where we'll begin our reading. Acts chapter 10. Just going to read the first eight verses, and then we'll pray and commit the time to the Lord. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight to gather together amongst friends, amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, amongst uh, people, Lord, that have come to hear your word. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to preach. I pray that, Lord, everything tonight will be to thy glory, to thy praise, to thy honour. And I pray, Lord, that you bless this time. May we all leave, Lord, with something new or something afresh, or, Lord, just the opportunity for you to speak to us directly. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is an extraordinary story. And just like the Apostle Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus that we saw last time, and his vision from the Lord, this message tonight will have two visions that come about to bring two unique characters together for the cause of Christ. Cornelius is told here in Scripture, which we've just read, that God has heard his prayers and salvation is coming to his house via the Apostle Peter. Cornelius had been told to summon Peter to come and share the gospel with his family. And the angel in the vision said to Cornelius, Peter, he will tell you basically what you need to know. So Cornelius just does just that. He sends men down to Joppa to fetch Simon Peter. Simon Peter, in the meantime, is having his own vision from the Lord, telling him to kill and eat an animal, some birds presented to him on a sheet that comes down from heaven. However, the items that the Lord presents were to him especially unclean or common animals. And Peter refuses to comply and says, I have never eaten of these uncommon or unclean animals. And the Lord has a lesson here for Peter to show him what is no longer common and no longer unclean. Acts 10, 15. Just jump there. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, this is talking to Peter, thou call not, thou common. We'll find out later that this is not really about meat to eat but it has a much greater spiritual implication. Peter at this point was pondering what this meant. Now, we didn't read the passage where Peter got the vision, but you probably understand the story. And he's pondering what all this means. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 17. Verse 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing. I'm going to come back to that word, those two words later. Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause whereof ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one that feareth God and of a good report among the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into the, his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them 
And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Thinking back to the vision that Peter had, Peter doubted what the vision meant. All he's seeing is animals dropping down on a sheet and the Lord's telling him to eat. But we get his doubt in verse 17 and verse 19. Peter doubted and pondered. However, Peter follows the Spirit's leading and goes with the men to Caesarea, to Cornelius' house. And I'm sure he's curious as to what he'll find when he goes to Cornelius' house. But he is obedient to the Spirit's instruction to go and notice what the Spirit said, doubting nothing. Seems a bit of an odd thing to say. I want you to go, but doubt nothing. So when he arrives, he gets to Cornelius' house, an explanation of the vision that he received, and immediately it falls into place. It's like the curtains have opened and the door has opened up wide and what's behind has been revealed. Peter was given insight into these truths really a long time ago. But yet, but you get this by the statement that he makes further on down in the passage. Go to verse 34 and 35. I'm jumping through this a little bit quick, but we're going to go back. So this is giving you an overall picture. Acts 10.34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Peter's getting an understanding of something that was told to him many, many years prior when Jesus was back with those disciples. Jesus pointed, and we'll get to see that shortly, to a certain truth. This wonderful truth is for you and me. There is a door opening up to the world and the question is, what has the door opened up to? This door has opened up to the Jews and Gentiles alike and it's opened by Peter and we're going to see what impact this has to the world. Think about that statement, verse 35. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. If you knew who Peter was, that's a huge statement to make. It's a big statement for any Jewish man to make and speak. That God no longer is just God of Israel, but he's God of the world. You know, the Jews had this mindset that God is only the God of the Jews. He belongs to no other. Peter's statement here in verse 34, but if any and every nation, do you understand how big that is? What it entails? If any and every nation comes to God fearing him and worketh the works of righteousness in his name, they are accepted in his kingdom. They are part of the body of Christ, the church. You know what's wonderful about this passage in Acts chapter 10? You jump down to verse 43 and it's like a little bookend that just rounds it off nicely. Let's read verse 43 of chapter 10. 
To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, that's being the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. This lets us see that even the prophets of the Old Testament gave witness to the fact that faith in God was for all. It's a big statement to make. And that whosoever believes can have a personal relationship with God. The Jews didn't look very favorably to those around them. Whether it was the woman at the well, Jesus said, I must needs go by Samaria. His disciples are thinking, why are you going to spend time with this Samaritan woman? You know, I was reading in my commentaries that they have certain prayers that would thank and praise the Lord that they weren't like the Gentiles. They were considered like dogs to them. I can understand how they have this enemy mindset that all those around them are enemies. But it's interesting, you see that the Jewish nation veered off on a path that wasn't God's plan in that sense. And when scripture tells us that even the prophets of old gave witness to the very fact that faith in God was for all. But what has to happen here is God has to reveal his plan. And who's he revealing it through? Peter. Let's go back to the beginning where it all starts for Peter. This story of Cornelius and the unfolding of this momentous occasion for you and for me has its foundations really back in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. Please turn back there. You know, God has a plan to open the door and let the light of his glorious gospel shine in for all to see that Jesus is God of all mankind, not just the Jews. And when you think of who Peter was, just a lowly fisherman, fishermen were not very high on the social or political scale in Israel. Most fishermen were considered gruff and rugged. But Jesus took this fisherman and he said something very special to him. Verse 18 of Matthew 4. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A lowly fisherman whom God said would become fishers of men. Fishers of men mean someone who now seeks the souls to be saved for the master. Notice the plurality of this statement. And it's not prescriptive either. It doesn't say, I'll make you fishers of just Jewish people, Jewish men and women. But fishers of men, plural, the world. Now let's fast forward to Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Peter has been a disciple of Jesus for a while and Jesus had just asked Peter this very important question, whom do you say that I am? And he comes up with a pretty good answer. At the end he says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Let's look here in Matthew 16, 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, and this was Jesus' excited response, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou 
that thou art Peter and upon this rock, now we know this rock to be Jesus Christ, not Peter as some would have us believe, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give thee, now this is Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whosoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whosoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter is told here that due to his faith in God and understanding of who the very person is standing before him, being Jesus Christ himself, he will receive the keys of the kingdom. I'm sure he had no idea what that meant at that time, but he'll find out as you found out today as we looking at Acts. The fisherman has now been handed the keys of the kingdom. He didn't realize it then, but his ministry was to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And the best way to think of these keys is like unlocking a door to a new era, the church age, which is for all and all alike. In regards to the keys, Albert Barnes says this, he that is in possession of it has the power of access, has a general case, sorry, care of a house. Hence, in the Bible, a key is used as a symbol of superintendence, an emblem of power and authority. And when the Saviour says, therefore, he will give to Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he means that he will make him an instrument of opening the door of faith to the world, the first to preach the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles. When Peter commissioned, was commissioned to come follow Jesus, he had no idea where the Saviour would lead him. Think about this. Jesus is telling Peter this information well before his crucifixion. Peter at this point recognises that Jesus is the Son of God, yet little does he know that he himself will be responsible to opening the door of the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles alike. Peter will be given more of the puzzle further on. But for now, he's slowly getting the picture of bigger things to come. Fast forward again to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 19. We all know this as the Great Commission. Peter, along with his disciples, are told what their responsibility is from this point forward. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach. What were they to teach? All nations. Does it say just the Jews? No. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So again, who were they to teach? All nations. We fast forward to Acts chapter 1. Sorry, we're jumping through some scripture, but that's a good thing. Keeps us on our toes. Acts chapter 1. Peter, again with his disciples, is given the next piece of the puzzle. They know they need to preach Christ, but Jesus wants to give them a special gift from the Father, a comforter and a helper to assist them in their task. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And being assembled together with them, verse 4, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, 
ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 6, And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And this is the important bit. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and where? And unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, the disciples think that Jesus is here going to restore the kingdom of Israel. What does Jesus say? It's not for you at this time to know the times and seasons. This will come later. But for now, I have a story to tell to the nations. Or more importantly, you have a story to tell to the nations. How do we know what was on Jesus' mind and his focus? The last verse exclaims, Ye shall be witnesses of unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is like part two of the Great Commission. This is where the church begins and the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and the church is born. Acts is a wonderful insight into the start of the church of God and the desire to witness Christ to the world. When you look at a structure of Acts, you'll see that in the first seven chapters, they did witness to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through to 9, chapter 9 verse 31, they did witness in Judea and Samaria. And it's the rest of Acts where they start to witness to the ends of the earth. But it takes a special someone, Cornelius, for them to know what God's plan was. While Acts 2, Peter is opening the door to the Jews, his preaching gives clear testimony and witness of Jesus Christ being Lord and Saviour. You get that in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Turn over to Acts 2, 36, which says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is a momentous occasion. It's the start of the church. Peter is preaching. It's not only the start of the church, but it's also the start of missions as we know it today. But we know that the good news of Jesus Christ is not just confined to the Jews in Jerusalem. It needed to be spread aboard in all Judea and Samaria as well. And we get the spread of the gospel in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Please jump there. And Saul comes into the picture, or the Apostle Paul. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the Apostles. It didn't take long for Peter to go to Samaria. Persecution made that happen. Verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So Peter has travelled to Samaria. So we can see that the gospel started in Jerusalem. It's now gone to Samaria and Judea. 
But this is still really just the Jewish people. By the time we get back to Acts chapter 10, Peter is opening the door of the gospel to an Italian centurion named Cornelius. Now we read in various commentaries that Cornelius was possibly a proselyte of, the, of Judaism. Ryrie suggests that he was probably a proselyte of the gate, that is, he believed in God of Judaism and his government, but had not yet taken any of the steps to become a fully fledged proselyte. There was the opportunities for those to be a proselyte and come under the Jewish Judaism banner. When you think of through the Old Testament, I don't want you to think that Gentiles couldn't have been saved through the Old Testament. We think of wonderful examples like Ruth, Rahab, who, think of Ruth, when she said to Naomi, I want your God to be my God. The Jews were set up as the nation that God had shown forth his love and his way to, but this momentous occasion is the opportunity for the door to be really opened up to the Gentiles and to bring in the church age. Now, just like I mentioned in my last prayer, sorry, message, that Paul needed an Ananias to help him on his way, Peter needs a Cornelius. A Cornelius also needs Peter. Cornelius needed to hear the gospel. He needed to hear the message that Christ is the answer, not Judaism. Peter, on the other hand, needed to be taught a lesson that preaching to all nations means preaching to the Gentiles. You know, Cornelius was still considered uncircumcised. And we know that the Jews and the Gentiles just did not mix. Peter had fulfilled God's promise of opening the door of heaven with the keys of the kingdom to the Gentiles. Verse 28. And this is Peter's response of Acts chapter 10. And he, that's being Peter, said unto them, Ye know how that it is, an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. But, this is a light bulb moment, but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. What a wonderful blessing. We jump down to verse 34 and 35 and he says this, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Praise the Lord that Peter now has the full picture. Christ is Lord of all. Lord of every nation, Lord of every race, Lord of the Jews and the Gentiles. I'm hoping by now that you get the picture that we who are Gentiles really should be praising the Lord. For the Lord gave the Peter the keys of the kingdom, opening the doors to the Gentiles. Now where would Cornelius be if it was not for the ministry of Peter? Where would we be if the door of the kingdom was not opened, was only, sorry, open to the Jews? You know, I want to stop and reflect and praise the Lord for my salvation, which is free to any man that trusts and believeth in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise Him for His love, because He wanted me to be in heaven. He wanted me to be a part of His kingdom. 
You know what I find interesting? It's, it's, it shows us another picture when we jump into Acts chapter 11. This is as far as we're going to go in Acts. We're not going to do a whole study in Acts and one message, but don't think that. But Acts chapter 11, this gives a great insight as to the struggles that Peter faced when he went back. Acts chapter 11 verse 1. You know, Peter is questioned here for spending time with the Gentiles. Acts 11.1, 1, And the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Big no-no. And when Peter had come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. That contended means opposed. They were opposed to him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. Verse 4, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. You know, it's interesting with the disciples that all that Jesus had told them along the way about going and preaching and teaching Christ to the nations, they still didn't really get what the nations meant. The Jews were still, in my view, very egocentric. I'm sure that they thought that Christianity is just for the Jews and that God is a God of Jews only. Well, praise God, that's not true. Peter had to spend time rehearsing all that he'd seen through the vision and spending time with Cornelius and realising that the door is open wide to any who will receive the gospel. You know, I wonder if we today are a bit like the Jewish Christians who wanted to hold on to their faith but keep it for themselves and not let others outside the fold come in. You know, they, some probably thought, no, we can't let the hairy unwashed or the uncircumcised into our fold. But I praise God that Peter was given the keys of the kingdom and this meant that you and me having the opportunity to be saved through the ministry of the local church. Let me ask you a question. The gospel needs to be preached and taught to all men and to all nations. What do you do with the gospel? Do you keep it to yourselves? Do we hide God's word in our heart but forget to share it with others? You know, you might say, well, I'm not very good at handing out tracts or I'm not very good at, whether it be door witnessing or very good at speaking of my faith. But, you know, there's wonderful opportunities that God can give us if we simply ask how can I share my faith with someone today? The gospel needs to be preached and taught to all men and to all nations. Praise God that Cornelius and his family got saved that day. You know, you and I, if you're saved, will meet him in heaven. I bet you he was continually praising God that Peter accepted the call to come and preach to him being a Gentile because he would have known what that meant. You know, if it was up to most of the Jewish Christians of that time, they would not have gone. Praise God that he is not a respecter of persons. Salvation is free to all, to all nations. And I'm reminded of what F.B. Myers, F.B. Myers said, and I quoted it last time I preached, how graciously God makes use of prepared souls 
as partners in the work of salvation. Let me ask you, are you a prepared soul? Could God call you upon you to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone? You might say, I don't have eloquent words. We know Moses said that to God. He still had to go. Jonah didn't want to go. In the end, he did. And the whole town, Damascus, came to the Lord. You know, it's not just the job of pastors, teachers, preachers and evangelists to spread the gospel. It's up to every one of us that are saved to share our faith with others. And there's lots of different ways we can do it. You know, we need to be ministering saints. We need not only have the gospel in our hearts, but also on our tongues. Just like Peter did when he comes to Cornelius and gives him the gospel in a nutshell. Peter is not the most eloquent of speakers, but that does not matter. Because what does he have inside? The power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just finish off by seeing what he said to him in verses 38 to 41. This is what he said to Cornelius. How God, verse 38, anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, with, his, with power and who, sorry, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the evil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Not a long speech, not a lot said. Verse 42, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which has ordained of God to be judge of the quick and the dead. Verse 43, To give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remissions of sins. Peter's preaching is just really telling people what he already knows about the Lord. Not a prepared speech, just words from the heart as he allows the Holy Spirit to do the rest. In a nutshell, this is what Peter said, if I rephrase it. Jesus, anointed by the Holy Ghost, went about doing the Father's business because God was with him. And we are witnesses that Jesus was crucified on a tree which our leaders did to him. Whoever God raised him on the third day from the dead, he hath appeared before us many times for which we are witnesses. Jesus has commanded us to preach to all men that God has ordained Jesus to be the eternal judge. And simply if we believe in Jesus Christ, he will save us and pardon us from our sins because he is the righteous judge. Not a lot said, but what impact did it have? You know, as Christians, it's not hard it's not that hard to say what we know about Jesus. In a nutshell, that was very little said. And yet what impact did it have on the people who heard the good news of Jesus Christ that day? Verse 44 and 45, And when Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a wonderful blessing that the Holy Ghost can take a faithful few words from a saved man and its result is a salvation to the household. Now I know there's many of men that's got up and preached and thousands have come to the Lord over the years and decades. 
but that doesn't have to be us. It just needs a faithful word said at the right moment. God can use anything to his glory. You know, brothers and sisters in Christ, tonight we have a story to tell to the nations. Do we share our faith and see what the Holy Spirit can do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight just to think about what effect Peter had on Cornelius and how salvation came to his household. He didn't say a lot, but he said enough, and the Holy Spirit did the rest. Help us, Lord, as, as your chosen people. Help us to have the words to say, to share our faith, that others might know that we stand firm on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, who is the rock and the foundation of this church. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings upon us. I pray, Lord, as we go our way, keep us safe. And thank you, Lord, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.